And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome. I'm Tom Laurie, and I will be your host today. Thank you for joining us. Today, our guest mentor is Marion Brooks. Marion is a corporate executive with over 20 years of experience building and leading award-winning teams in the pharmaceutical industry, including a team that generates nearly a billion dollars in annual sales. He has developed a global reputation for being a gifted executive and a gifted executive coach. Service to others has been the backbone to this extraordinary, to his extraordinary success. He has applied his unique background to increasing team performance and focusing on maximizing the potential of people, which in turn increases their impact and performance. He is the author of the best-selling book, What You Don't Know is Hurting You, Four Keys to a Phenomenal Career, which we will be talking about today. He is an organizational and applications expert in emotional intelligence, which we all know as EQ, corporate culture, and career development. Welcome, Marion, from Dallas, Texas, today. Thank you, Tom. I really am happy to be here with you today. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Now, let's get started by telling us you, uh, and we'll go back into your family, because you've had a very interesting uh, path to the top of a large company. Uh, Why don't you tell us about the rise to the top uh, and start with your career. Then we'll go back. Well, actually, go back and tell us about your family background, which is really interesting, and then how you came out of that to be uh, a corporate executive, a very high-level corporate executive in a pharmaceutical company. Okay, absolutely. So when you look at my background, I was one of those people that was discounted early on because of my family situation. So my mother was a single mother with three children by three different fathers. And my father had 11 children by 10 different women. So even people in my family early on said that I didn't have a chance. And so my grandmother was the lifeline. My grandmother and my grandfather, they stepped in and they raised my brother, my sister, and I. And my grandmother always told me, don't accept the limitations that anyone else puts on you. The only limitations you have are the ones that you accept. So she really instilled that into me. Uh, She gave me a great example of the value and the impact of investing in other people. Uh, So that's where the foundation came. And so she invested so much in me, so many other people invested in me. And so that's why I'm investing in others. I'm just paying forward what I've received. Now, you grew up in a, I I, I mean, your grandparents were raising a bunch of uh, your siblings, right? And so they're wasn't a lot of food to go around, and you had to start work pretty early. Absolutely, yes. We uh, There were definitely times where there was not enough to eat. Um, so we had to make sure that we made the most of everything that we had, but we also had appreciation. So even though we didn't have a lot, if there was someone in the neighborhood or someone in the extended family that needed a place to stay or something to eat, my grandparents always brought them in. 
So I saw that example of them always taking care of everyone, even when they just had a little. I remember some of uh, people would come by sometimes, and they would bring food for my grandparents. And my grandparents wouldn't eat the food. They would divide it amongst the children or the other people that were there. So that benevolent mindset uh, set a real foundation for me around how you impact people and the uh, impact that you can have on the world just by caring and giving a little more. So in in all of this, it's clear your grandmother was uh, sunshine. And your grandfather had a special role to play as well from a career standpoint, didn't he? Yes. So my grandfather was a minister. Uh, and he really set a strong example of uh, how a man leads a family and also opens his family up to other people. Um, so a lot of my presence and things that I've established, and even when I talk about it in the book, comes from my grandfather. Just the way that you carry yourself when you walk in the room, within the first seven seconds, people judge you as valuable or not valuable, credible or not credible. So he always talked about presence. Uh, even as a young boy, and how I should show up in a room, no matter what my situation was, always show up with confidence. Well, you're making me think of this movie with Robert De Niro called The Intern, which I loved. Uh, As you know, the casual work attire has really gone to the extreme, I think, at least in Northern California. And uh, if you remember in this movie, Robert De Niro was in a startup and he wore a sport coat. He looked pretty, pretty good every day, went to work with a sport coat and a tie and he stood out from everybody, which years ago that would have never been a a standout. But he created a presence, which people uh, I I don't know if you ever saw the movie, but as you were talking, I was thinking of that. And I personally now when I go into a lot of meetings in Northern California, I will wear a sport coat and a tie. Um, and I got gray hair, so I can get away with it. But anyways, I think that that whole idea of presence is, uh, is something people have lost sight of. Oh, I agree 100%. So in the book, when I talk about perception, I really focus on branding and making sure that you establish a brand that builds credibility, credibility for you versus reduces your credibility. And when you walk into a room, they are evaluated before you open your mouth. And so either you're going to start with a positive halo or you're going to start with a negative just based on how you show up, what you're wearing, and what type of confidence you're projecting. And it's a key thing that people don't know that really holds some individuals back from really uh, accomplishing the level of success that they would want, they would like. Now, you and I share a uh, an experience in life uh, at a young age, and, and it was in bricklaying. And how, let's learn a little bit about what you learned as a bricklayer, and how did you show up at uh, work as a bricklayer? So it's a, it's a funny story. So I talk a lot about my grandmother and my grandparents, because they were my foundation. But I also had a relationship with my mother as well as my father. Now, my mother is one of the smartest people I have ever met in my life. And I talk about that in the book, Emotional Intelligence, EQ, and I know we'll talk about that in a, a short time period, was her, the thing that held her back. But I decided I was tired of being poor. I wanted to get out of high school and get a job, and I was not going to college. So to teach me a lesson, she got me a job with one of her friends in the summer, laying bricks in Texas in the hot sun. And I had to be there at 6 a.m., and I came home when it was dark. So at the end of the summer, I looked at my hands, and I felt, you know, I was just exhausted, and I said, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It just wasn't for me. And she said, well, that's the option if you don't want to go to college. 
And so I decided to go to college and then to grad school based on that experience. Well, we're going to go to break, hang on, and we're going to come right back with Marion Brooks, a pharmaceutical executive who rose to a corporate role from being a bricklayer. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie with today's guest mentor, Marion Brooks, a pharmaceutical executive with over 20 years of experience building and leading award-winning teams in the pharmaceutical industry, including a team that generates nearly $1 billion in annual sales. We were talking about your going from a bricklayer and learning about other the, the need to have other things going on in your life, although bricklayer is, bricklaying, as you and I have talked about, is uh, certainly builds a lot of character. Uh, who So your, your grandparents were very important to you when you were young, but you also had a, an event uh, with your niece. Uh, she had a big role in shaping your life. Could you tell us about that? Yes. So um, when I was in college, one of my nieces, so I've actually been the father. So I have raised my daughter, uh, who's about to graduate from college, and also raised my three nieces. I stepped in uh, to help my sister to raise them. So in essence, I raised four girls. And really leveraging the uh, experience that I received from my grandparents, I stepped in to be the father to them as well. But you wasn't there a... a as I recall, a, a death in the family that shaped. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. I see. I see what you're asking. So, yes, my um, one of my nieces when I was in college, um, my youngest niece, and it's still something that's emotional for me. But she was two years old and she passed away. And at that juncture, um, I was doing everything for the family. I was really focused on the family and trying to pull all of us out of the economic situation that we were in, and that was my goal. And when she passed away, uh, it was a devastating experience. It was one of those things that I didn't think that I would recover from because I loved her so much, and she was only two years old. She died of a rare viral pneumonia. And so at that point, I made a decision that I had to start living for myself because life is too short, as well as living for other people. And it actually was the catalyst to me uh, pledging my fraternity, Kappa Alpha Sophis fraternity, which actually opened up so many avenues to me around leadership and development and all of those things that were the foundation or have been the foundation to me going into corporate America and being super successful and knowing how to show up, knowing how to run meetings and knowing how to do all the type protocol type things, as well as the foundation of my leadership skill set. And then along came Aunt Doris. What yes, role did absolutely. Aunt Doris have in your life? Well, she was actually the first person to take me under her wing from a business perspective. So my grandmother taught me a lot about how to be an amazing person and gave me an example, my grandmother and my grandfather. My fraternity started to give me some leadership skills. And Aunt Doris, Doris Carter, she owned a home health agency in Fort Worth. And I actually, in college, was the courier for the company. When I graduated, because she was really big on education, she uh, hired me to take over the billing and insurance and all of those administrative components, and I managed that team for her. 
and she was grooming me to take over the business. But she was very tough on me. I remember an example. I came to a meeting once to meet with her, and I was trying to get myself organized. And she said to me, Marion, obviously I was not important enough for you to prepare before you got here, so please come back when you are prepared to meet with me, and don't waste my time again. And it really taught me about preparation and being focused and ready at all times, especially when I'm meeting with someone uh, that is a leader within any organization. But she really groomed me a lot. She gave me a lot of great opportunities uh, for leadership, and she really, really set me up for success. So when I moved into the pharmaceutical arena uh, as a salesperson, I was light years ahead of the majority of the people because I've gotten that real leadership opportunity uh, from DARS and the Home Health Agency experience. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. Today, our guest is Marion Brooks, the author of What You Don't Know is Hurting You. So now you've got a little bit of the healthcare experience, and somehow you found your way into the pharmaceutical industry. Who who mentored you along the way? What key events? Uh, That's a big pivot for you. Yes, and honestly, it was the um, late '90s. I didn't know anything about uh, the pharmaceutical industry at the point at that point. And it goes back to, you know, my niece passing and it pushing me to find an opportunity in that obstacle. And that's one of the things that I feel is always uh, there is an opportunity in every obstacle that we face in life. We just have to slow down and look for it. So by me pledging the fraternity, I learned a lot. But in that situation, one of my fraternity brothers um, came to me and he said, I think you would be amazing in pharmaceutical sales. I'd like for you to go and interview with this guy if you're interested in it. And I said, well, first of all, let, tell me what pharmaceutical says he is and all these things. He said, I just think you have the, uh, the skill set, the demeanor, and all those things to be successful. So he introduced it to me. I went to the interview, and the uh, person who was doing the interview already had a candidate that they were planning to hire. The goal was for me to get some experience um, interviewing in that arena and, you know, put my name out there. Well, after the interview, the uh, hiring manager decided – he was going to go with me because he thought I had a longer potential, a higher level of potential long-term than the person that they were going to hire that already had pharmaceutical experience, and that started my career in uh, this arena. And you won a lot of awards, I uh, see. Yes. So that's one of the uh, career highlights that I have, and I always tell people it's one of the things I'm most proud of in every role that I have had even uh, before getting into pharmaceuticals, even at the home health agency, every position that I've had, I've won a major award for my performance and impact. And there was a key person in your uh, when you just got started in the pharmaceutical industry that uh, I, I think you were in some kind of a review session or something and uh, kind of called you out on something that you could do better, which you took to heart and it really helped shape the rest of your career. Maybe you could tell that story as well so people can understand the importance of, it goes back to uh, speaking up. Yes, and being able to accept feedback. So, yes, yeah, so I was doing well. I had won, I was the number one manager in the company, uh, in the country at that time, so things were going extremely well for me. But what happened is... Um, I got some feedback. We were doing a 360 review, and so you get feedback from your peers and your manager, uh, as well as other people within the organization that see you. And my manager said that I was not exhibiting executive presence 
in the time where it was most important in our large meeting. So I was sharing all of the ideas and all of the great things that I was doing with my team in the smaller setting. But when we got to the national meetings and we were in the big forum, I was quiet and I was silent. And he told me, if you really want to move to the level of leadership that you have the potential to, you have to start to speak up. You have to position yourself more effectively. And it was hard feedback to take because I was saying, but wait a minute, I'm doing everything now. And he said, yes, but the people that matter the most that are going to drive your career don't know it. All they know is that you're at the top of the leaderboard. They don't know how you got there. You have to tell your story. Did you suffer from uh, Jason Riley? I've I read his book. Did you did you suffer from some of the things that he suffered from, where he was a good student and doing good things, and he also went to a uh, do, predominantly African American Latino school, and and when he succeeded, he was being put down for success. Did you suffer from any of that as well in your childhood? Not not in college, but in high school or grade school. Yes. Yeah, so there was this perception that I don't know why, but I, I think it has to do with, you know, the remnants of uh, oppression or being discounted, where being smart was an, a positive thing in certain neighborhoods. And so I got that feedback from some people. My grandmother, she's fantastic. So my grandmother told me, I was born in 1915 as a black woman in Texas, and I went to college. You will go to college and far beyond, no matter what anyone else says, if you desire to do. So the thing that I learned from her was to not listen to the naysayers, uh, but to focus on my own success. But there was this stigma around being a nerd or being smart and that being negative, but I never accepted it. So this is an important point, not just for people that are African-American or Latino, because too many people listen to the naysayers. And I think this is a very key point And uh, your grandmother gave you some excellent advice that everybody can uh, take to the bank is that you need to find your way and not pay attention to because people, particularly teenagers, get into these groups and the groups can have tremendous uh, peer pressure. But we're going to cut for break and when we come back. I want to talk to you a very interesting story, Marianne. Thanks for joining us. We're going to come back and talk to pharmaceutical executive Marianne Brooks and what it means to be in service to others. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and we're with Marion Brooks today, who's got a very interesting story about how he overcame a lot of obstacles with the help of his uh, grandparents and an Aunt Doris uh, to rise to be a top executive in the pharmaceutical industry and also being a very respected executive coach with lots of uh, good information and ideas and action plans for those that are trying to uh, become all that they can be. So we are delighted uh, with everybody that's been responding to the show. You can download this podcast if you've missed any part of it at thementorsradio.com. That is thementorsradio.com. Make sure you subscribe when you're there and do not miss any future shows, all of our content is available for free. So, Marion, we were talking about, we uh, got into your background quite a bit, and now I want to talk a little bit, shift gears and talk about what you don't know will hurt you. So tell us about the book and how it came about. So, it's a very interesting story. So, it, uh, it really, again, circles back to my background. 
So in corporate America, only 5% of people are considered high potential, and they get access to information, training, and support that the other 95% of people don't receive. Now, if you're a woman or a person of color, it's much less than 5%. So early in my career, I was identified as one of those high potentials, and I gained access to all of the information and the tools, and I uh, received the support, and my career really accelerated. And as I evaluated the people when I became an executive coach, after I got my executive coaching uh, certification, as well as people I've mentored over the years, I realized that a lot of of people with great potential just didn't have access to the information that they needed to really be successful and go to the next level. So I'll tell a quick story about the book title as well. So I'm coaching a client from one of the largest uh, media companies uh, in the world, and she had gotten a new boss. The boss, she felt, was trying to get rid of her. She had been with the company for over 15 years at that point. And so she came to me for some help. She felt stuck. So we worked together for six months. In those six months, <clears throat> excuse me, she received two promotions, and the bad boss was terminated. Now, I had nothing to do with the boss getting terminated, um, but at the end of it, she, the, my client said, Marion, you should write a book because I didn't know what I did know, and it was hurting me. And so that's how the book came to fruition. Your story is very much like a good friend of mine, Pat Lencioni, who uh, was in a company in organizational development, and he was writing a, a draft of something, and somebody said, you should write a book, and he's gone off, and I think he's written 10 or 12 books. The most, uh, Some of them are some of the still. I think one of the books has been on the top uh, 10 uh, best-selling list for 10 years or something. Anyways, you got a very similar story to Pat's. Um, okay. So tell, so IQ is, everyone thinks about IQ, but, you know, what about EQ and the importance of EQ, and what is EQ? So EQ is emotional intelligence, and I describe it this way. Uh, emotional intelligence is the ability to manage yourself and your environment more effectively to get better outcomes. But it starts with self. So if you look at all of the research over the years, over the last two to three decades, it shows that 80% of your success is going to be based on emotional intelligence, only 20% on IQ. And if you think about it, there are a lot of smart people out there, but there are not a lot of emotionally intelligent people out there. So that's why I start the book with that foundation, and I found in my own career and even the careers of my clients and mentors, as I mentioned previously, it's the linchpin. It's the thing that separates you from the crowd. And so you can be as smart as you uh, want to be, but at some point, if you don't have emotional intelligence, you're going to derail yourself. So having that strength as a, uh, in emotional intelligence and that foundation and that key understanding of where you're strong and where your areas of opportunity are in the four quadrants is foundational for our ultimate success. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. Our guest mentor today is Marion Brooks, author of What You Don't Know Is Hurting You. Uh, so EQ. Now, maybe I think I've got good EQ. Maybe I don't. How how does one find out uh, about 
where they really stand on EQ? And then secondly, how do you develop it? So there are a lot of tools out there that can help you to identify where you are as far as your EQ is concerned. So there are in the book uh, and actually also on um, the new e-course that I just launched, we give you some examples of where you can go and get free information around EQ. And you just take a quiz and then it'll give you the information on your strength in self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. Those are the four foundational quadrants of emotional intelligence. Uh, and they will accelerate or derail you at some point. So that's where you can actually get the information. But it, it's really critical. And uh, when I said my definition about managing yourself and your environment more effectively, think of the people that you want to work with the most. Think of the people that have the broadest uh, influence, not necessarily management control or title, but the people that have the greatest influence, those are the people with the highest level of emotional intelligence, and those are the people that will continue to accelerate. So at some point in your career, you move from being a functional expert to a leader. Leaders have to have emotional intelligence if they're going to be able to uh, inspire people to be their best. Because at that point, when you're starting to lead, we don't need you to do the work, but we need you to inspire and invest and develop other people to do the work. And that's what EQ really uh, takes hold and is uh, extremely important. Now, there was a story I read over the weekend about a VC who was sitting on the board of directors of a company and the CEO had to leave uh, for personal reasons. And uh, she had to come in as the CEO and she wrote this uh, three or four page article, which is fascinating. I'm a CEO, so I identified with it very quickly. But she said that uh, she found that as a CEO, uh, it was not what she thought. It was not what she had been taught as a VC in terms of financial schedules and returns on investment. She said 90% of the job had to do with people. And this gets right to the heart of what you're talking about, uh, EQ and the importance of EQ for uh, leadership roles. Uh, and one of the points you mentioned was this relationship management. Could you expand, because that's really critical if you want to get a mentor or a sponsor, and maybe you can explain what those are, but you better be managing those relationships. Absolutely. So relationship management from an EQ perspective is really being able to have empathy and evaluate other people and what's going on in the situation, their body language, their tone, and those types of things to adjust appropriately to accomplish whatever your objective is. So my thing when it comes to emotional uh, relationship management and emotional intelligence, it's always looking for win-win versus trying to win. So if you're looking for win-win, both people leave with something, even if it's just a, a broader understanding and something that they can connect to versus you trying to win the situation, that leaves the other person with a level of, um, I guess, void or bitterness that will impact the future relationship with that individual. Hold on to that thought. We're going to be right back with Marion Brooks and continue our conversation on the importance of the four P's to career and life. If you have any questions or feedback, call anytime at 844-810-8255. That is 844-810-TALK. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to The Mentors, and our guest today is Marion Brooks, who has developed a global reputation for being a gifted executive and an executive coach. 
and he is the author of the book, What You Don't Know Will Hurt You. Anyways, we're talking about uh, performance in the last segment. We're going to talk about perceptions. Uh, Let's start with a question. When you walk into a room, what do you bring with you? Yes. So what I bring with me is a level of confidence, a level of empathy, and a expertise, uh, a knowledge expert on whatever the subject is that we will be addressing. So that's what I always try to bring into the room anytime I walk in. I know in your book, at the end of every chapter, you have a uh, exercises for people that they can use to help develop uh, themselves at each chapter. So you have four sections with chapters in each one. I, I want you to talk something that's very near and dear to my heart. Talk about journaling and the importance of journaling. Oh, it is. Oh, my gosh. Let me tell you, it is something that really opened my eyes to my opportunities to grow. So what I do at the end of each day, uh, at least every other day, but at least about three times a week, I evaluate what happens during that day. And if there's anything that didn't go the way that I really wanted it to go, what I do is I journal about it. So I write out, okay, this is what happened. Okay, this is what I would have liked to happen. So what would have been the ideal outcome from my perspective? And then I write out, okay, now what could I have done differently to get that outcome? And so that's where the true ownership comes in because a lot of the times we become victims of what other people did, did not do, said, or did not say, right? And so the way that I journal is to take ownership of what I could have done differently to get a better outcome, and it really opens you up to different options. The key thing that it also does is the next time you're in that situation or a similar situation, you have other options on how to be more impactful and to get better uh, results. Yeah, I... I really stress journaling with people that uh, it's, it's an incredible tool. A lot of people fight it, but boy, it is so, so good for people in terms of clearing out their head and moving on with things. So I, I echo that. Uh, when in your, in your book, you have a comment or a title. It's called, Did You Build Your Own Ceiling? What does that mean? So building your own feeling has a lot to do with what we were just discussing. When you have created this story around your limitations or why you're being held back, it's around being a victim of someone else's behavior versus focusing on how you can achieve your own victory. So what I like for people to do is to really evaluate, now what else can I do? What are my other options? What are the other avenues? Because there are always other options. So we've talked about uh, perception. We, let's talk a little bit about positioning and what you mean by that in your book and what you can share with our audience. So the key thing for me around positioning is making sure that you are looking at yourself and at your career and then evaluating what's around you and what you need to have around you. So so a great example is around networking. I've had people say to me, and I usually, even when I do my uh, keynote presentation, say to me, oh, well, you know, I don't like to network, or I'm not good at networking. And I always say, well, how's that working for you? And if you don't have the right relationships, you won't be promoted to the full potential or the places where you can uh, demonstrate your full potential. So what I tell people, though, is you have to network like a connector and not a parasite. So when you meet, and what I mean by that, and I'll say it again, a connector and not a parasite. 
the parasite way of uh, networking is you go to a meeting and you're asking everyone for a job. The connector perspective is you've done your homework before you get to the meeting. You know who's going to be there. You know the people you want to learn something from, and you know what you can offer to people. And now you're connecting on a level of seeking knowledge and not a job. So that, when I think about positioning, that's one component. The other is around mentors and sponsors. 90% of the decisions that are made about us in our careers, no matter what industry you are in, are made when you're not in the room. So you have to have someone in the room that's speaking for you and that knows you. So a mentor is someone who's going to invest in you and they'll give you feedback and they might coach you. A sponsor is someone who's willing to put their name on the line for you. And so they add you to their brand. So those people need to know you and they need to trust you, and you need to demonstrate that you have what it takes and you're willing to do what it takes to be successful. Yeah, I run a uh, program out here for people that have lost their jobs, and it's amazing how many people call and want me to uh, be a reference for them, and I don't even know them. And then it's my reputation that's on the line. So this networking is, and, and it's relationship building. I agree with you completely. It's building those relationships, establish, establishing trust, so people feel comfortable with who you are and what you are, and then they will uh, certainly uh, refer you. Now, as we go through the book, we've talked about performance, a little bit about you talked about perceptions a couple of times, and how you present yourself, and we just talked a little bit about uh, positioning. The last P is persistence, and... Um, Tell there's an interesting stat that you use in the book about MetLife sales agents. Yes, so it's really focusing on that uh, optimistic mindset. So there was some research done, I think it was like 15,000 MetLife uh, sales agents. And what they did is they brought in a coach who said people that are more optimistic are more productive, more impactful, and they bring in higher sales. So what they did is a, a test, and they evaluated the sales teams uh, and, you know, the people that they were bringing in and hiring based on optimism and went away from the traditional, um, you know, surveys and things that they used to evaluate the talent. And what they found is that the people that were in the top 10% in optimism were making 80% more money for, for the organization than those at the bottom 10%. And so they looked at this, and they cut it in a lot of different ways. And what it shows is that those people that were higher on optimism, those that felt like bad things were temporary and good things were permanent, those people with that type of mindset were much better salespeople. So at the end, what MetLife did is they discarded all of their old traditional evaluations of talent, and they started to use this optimism um, survey and structure, and they their uh, sales went up significantly overall for the organization because they were hiring different people with a different mindset. And that's part of persistence. Bad things are going to happen. If you think they are permanent, you're not going to give the same level of effort. You're not going to be thinking outside of the box around other options. You're going to be focusing on the obstacle. Optimistic people focus on, okay, that happened to me, that happened. Now, what is the opportunity there? What can I learn from it? And then how can I apply that to be successful in the future? That's persistent. One of the things that you talk about is reframing situations, and you talk about Susie uh, Welch. Well, I guess we're going to have to come back after the break. We'll talk about Susie Welch in 101010. We're talking with Marion 
Brooks today. Uh, this is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie with today's guest mentor, Marion E. Brooks, who is the author of What You Don't Know Is Hurting You. And we've been talking about the four P's for success. And we were talking about persistence in the last segment. And we promised that we would go to uh, Susie Welch's 101010 uh, formula on free, reframing situations. Uh, and go ahead, uh, Marion, tell us about that and how it works. So- so, yes, Susie created a very easy way to reframe a situation that gives you your power back and helps you to focus on what's most important now but also in the long term. So when you're in a situation and you've gotten frustrated or you're confused, you don't know which way to go or what to do, the technique is to think about it and say, okay, this is how I'm feeling in this moment. So how will I feel in the next 10 minutes about this? How will I feel about this in the next 10 months? And then how would I feel in the next 10 years? And by doing that, you take it from the recent to the future so you're able to make better decisions because your mind is clear and you're not caught up in all of the emotions of the moment. I'll give a great example of that uh, with my daughter. So she's in college. It's her sophomore year. She wants to transfer to another school. And so we're having um, breakfast, and we're talking about it. And I was like, okay, so you're confused right now. You're scared to move, but you're not happy where you are, all of those things. And I said, you're an adult now. You have to make the decision. So let me give you a tool to help you. So I said, if you don't go, how are you going to feel about it in the next 10 minutes? And she's like, I'll still be confused. I said, okay, in the next 10 months. She's like, I'd probably be disappointed that I didn't. I was like, how about the next 10 years? I think I would have missed an opportunity. I was like, so what are you going to do? She said, I'm going to transfer. And she has loved it. But she had to look at it from uh, taking it from recent to the long term. What is the impact of this versus being caught up in the emotions of the moment and all the fear? Because fear limits more success than failure ever will because most people won't try because of fear. So we get the, it helps you to remove some of the fear and really focus on the opportunity. And that fear really uh, sets the ceiling for a lot of people, right? You become held hostage by it. Absolutely. So many decisions are not made, and people become victims of their own thoughts or their own insecurities. I always tell people, if you're most focused on what could go bad versus making things go well, then that's holding you back, and that's the fear around it. So what are the best things that you can do right now to move yourself forward versus talking yourself out of it? In my career, the success that I've had, the things that I've done that really helped to accelerate me were some of the scariest things that I had to do because I had to go get outside of my comfort zone. But that fear will hold you back, and so you have to face it and really focus on victory. That's the same uh, happened in my career as well. Uh, One of the questions I like to ask my guests is, of all the people you've met over all these years, who are those? What's that one attribute that you've seen in people that are truly happy? Oh, that's a great question. The people that I've seen that are truly happy are people, number one, that are most comfortable with who they are. Number two, they're willing to take some risks and not be, they're not afraid of failure. 
They're not afraid of failure, so they stretch themselves. And I would say they're always doing something or thinking about what they can do to help someone else. Even for myself, when I'm having a bad day or I'm having something go on frustrating, and I got this from one of my mentors, he said, go do something nice for someone else. Even if it's the clerk at a, uh, a convenience store, say something, do something nice to, for someone else and watch how it shifts your day. And I do it, and it always works. Well, Marion is also beyond or besides being a corporate executive and doing the executive coaching, he is also the, I believe you're the chairman of the Sunshine Family Sunshine's Open Door Foundation, a nonprofit which helps foster children. Uh, just 30 seconds, tell us a little bit about that. So, yes, it's a Sunshine Open Door Foundation, and we established the foundation. It was like the 10-year anniversary of my grandmother's passing, and the family was like, how do we continue her legacy of investing in people? Who's out there that needs the most help? Um, so we decided to focus on foster children because as they transition from the foster care system at 18, they're given $300, and then they're out there on their own. And they end up, a lot of them end up in drugs, on drugs, in jail, pregnant, and all of those things. So we want to do what Sunshine did for us, and we want to be that bridge to adulthood for them. So we invest money, time, and energy, and we're looking to build a house where they have somewhere to come for the holidays if they're in college and things of that sort. But really just continuing her legacy of investing in people. Well, that's that's it. We're going to have to go. It's uh, We'll see you next week. Thank you to Marion Brooks, who was our guest mentor today, the author of What You Don't Know is Hurting You. Remember, if you tuned in late, you can listen to this and past shows by Don Loney Podcast by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. When you're there, subscribe for future shows. Thank you for listening. We will be back next weekend at the same time. For the next edition, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember to be all you can and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.